And even with all the business I brought in, they were still complaining to me. I've said it again and again, you can't just give me six earthers and expect to bag a tie horn in three nights. I could hear them walking from a mile away, and the tie horn could smell them from six. It's hard to say no to their money, though, isn't it, Jen? Well, that is true. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do with myself if they ever crack down on these excursions. I wouldn't worry about that. The creative ones always find a way to make it out here unnoticed. Let's hope so. Certainly pays better than your... What do you call this? Humanitarian mission? It's something like that. Honestly, Ren, I don't know why you do this. It's a myth. Everyone knows that. A lot of bodies stacking up for a myth. It's just the pit folks killing each other over the next pile of dirt. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? Sorry, Janice. I've got to go. What's wrong? I think I just found that myth. Welcome to World's Way, an actual play storytelling podcast. I'm your game master, John Ossip, and with me today, we've got Haley Daria. Hello. Lauren Woolbanks. Rubisco. Mike Morales. <laughs> Salutations. And Mo Shatara. Hello, everyone. All right, gang. So we are back. New mission, new you for the Minerva Project. And so I want to... This one's to... going to go better. It yeah. will. I'm, I'm confident. We, we got all of our bad rolls out of the way over the last 10 episodes. So this is going to be a new... That's usually how long it takes, I think. So this is going to be a new start for us. But I want to pick back up in the Minerva Project briefing room. But before I get to that, at the end of the last episode, Mara, kind of a reveal, you learned that the device that you found in the mine on Satis, the sort of sensor or beacon was likely built by someone on Aventine. And so what I want to know is, has Mara told the team, maybe not what she found, but that she has learned something about the device? Or like, what are you planning to do with this information now that you have it? Um, so I was planning on just revealing what I had learned at our briefing for the next mission. Okay, I like that. So then let's pick up with that. And I think... Shaw's called you in for the briefing. And so we kind of begin in this improvised command center on the second floor of the Minerva Project headquarters. 
So describing the room, there's a few rows of desks and chairs that are kind of facing a large wall of screens at the far end of the room. And then there are a few more screens running along the wall to your left when you walk in. And on one of these screens, um, I think we see a news report from Earth. And the sound is off, but in the lower third, it says, Armistice criticism surges after Aventine spies discovered in Verge. At the front of the room, though, Sasha Green is kind of looking on from the side. But in the center, we see Morris Shaw finish tapping on his slates, and then he looks up to address the four of you. And I think he looks to you, Mara, and says, So, Doctor, before we get started with the briefing, you said you had some kind of discovery to share with us? So, Mara's going to walk over and... Uh, gently place down what is now just a box of disassembled uh, beacon. Um, I, I think when you do that, I think Shaw kind of raises an eyebrow at seeing the the device in the state that it's in now. He doesn't say anything, but he yeah. raises an eyebrow. After a thorough analysis of all components of the beacon, my assessment indicates that there is an 83% probable match with known Aventine circuitry coming from the Nemirov Design Bureau. What can you tell us about this facility? So when you reveal that, I think Shaw looks like has a mild look of surprise on his face. I think he's kind of taken aback by this revelation, but he kind of collects himself and says, never heard of that place exactly, but you're sure this is from Aventine? Could you numerically describe the word sure for me please i think he kind of mildly laughs and says just tell me what you're thinking doc i'm thinking that at the very least aventine designed the speaking more than likely greater than 50 percent built this beacon and possibly though i cannot put a factor on it Placed the beacon in the lustra mine. Well, this certainly doesn't look good for my hunch, but things out here have a way of being a little less simple than you like. Couldn't someone else have just used Aventine parts, made it look like them? So based on my Mara's analysis, does she believe that this was a difficult piece of equipment to construct if you had the blueprint i think that the design and and what you found in it reflected a high degree of complexity and Mm -hmm. i think that the interaction between the parts that you saw would make the kind of hypothetical that shaw was posing unlikely yeah it is more likely that this was manufactured in an advanced facility The level of expertise here is precise. So we're either dealing with an organization that has structure, capabilities, facilities to manufacture these devices, or one of the most advanced amateurs this side of the galaxy. Sounds like there's still room for a little more digging, but... Sir, if I may. Of course. I agree that there's always room for more investigation and to collect as many facts as possible, but 
we picked up this beacon that was tied to Aventine's spy ring on Satis. It's very improbable that somebody else might be involved. At the very least, we should plan for a scenario where Aventine knows what we know about the Lustra and could reveal that information to the Verge. I suppose this information getting out, that's always been a risk that we faced. And that's true whether it comes from Aventine or it comes from someone else. But whoever put this thing in the mine and whatever was doing there, seems like they went through a lot of pains to keep it quiet. Without knowing their intentions, all we can prepare for is what they can do with that information. And it certainly hurts our credibility if Aventine is the one that shares it first with the rest of the Verge. We have an obligation to make sure that this is minimally disruptive. And what about the risk of a panic when we do tell people about this? What about the risk of a panic if someone else does? I want to be clear about what you're suggesting, Lieutenant. Are you suggesting we tell the galaxy that Aventine left a beacon on Satis? Or are you suggesting we tell the galaxy about the Lustra? I'm suggesting that we should be prepared to share the information about the Lustra disappearing. The point of our mission isn't to discover what's happening. It's also to find out how to stop it. We can't just go public until we know more, until we understand if this is part of the government, if this is a specific faction and what they're doing with the Lestra. There's still a lot more we need to understand. Our ability to conduct our mission is going to be severely hampered by people mistrusting us as a result of withholding this information and coming to their planets under the guise of diplomacy when really we've been trying to figure out a solution to a crisis that they were unaware of. Our mission will be severely more hampered by open warfare in the verge over the most precious resource in the galaxy. The suggestion, frankly, is ludicrous. There may be people more willing to welcome us to the planet to investigate sincerely if they know why we're there. They will be in open war over the most precious resource in the galaxy. There will be one if we drop that information or someone else does. Whoa, whoa. And I think Shaw kind of holds up his hands at this point. I can tell we have our disagreements here, but both of your concerns are noted. And I will pass this up the chain. In any case, that was a good find, Doctor. I suppose we should move on to the other reason I called you here, though, unless you two want to discuss this further. He kind of looks at you, Arno, and is here. I think Leela's going to shoot a glare at Arno. Apologies, Director. Please continue. So with that, I think he takes a step back and taps on the slate to kind of change the images on the screen behind him. And he says, Even before we kicked off the Minerva Project... One of the first of these anomalies that Dr. Sen found was on a planet called Feronia. Bit of a natural wonder out here in the Verge. We've been waiting for an angle to get you in there, but it looks like our ticket finally got punched. For the past few months, there have been rumors circulating about some kind of creature there attacking folks outside one of the settlements. I think some of them even used the word monster. And no one really took this seriously until now, that is. And at this point, he hands you a a large slate. Early last week, 
a convoy headed to one of the mines there called in for help, said the road had been blocked. But when a maintenance crew got there, that's what they found. And then as you're flipping through the slate, you see several images of vehicles on a dirt road. A few of them seem unscathed, but several, maybe even most of them, are either smashed or dented in some way, and several of their windows are broken. And in some of the pictures, we see a handful of mangled bodies, including some with what look like stab wounds. Once word started to get out, folks began refusing to leave town, saying they wouldn't risk it just to get to the mines. The main council couldn't figure out what to do about it, but some of the local administrators got together and decided to ask for some help. My guess is they're hoping to calm everyone down, but given the planet's more neutral posture regarding us and Aventine, I wouldn't count on anyone official there jumping up to meet with you for. So no official support, but no official resistance. I'm just going to ask bluntly, are we welcome there? Well, the invite you got was real, but I wouldn't expect them to roll out a parade for you either. I think it's fair to say that you're welcome, though. And regarding support, well, I don't think they're going to throw all their resources your way. The folks on Feronia did pass along some of the reports they've gotten over the last month or so. I figure that'll be enough to at least get you started. If you can take care of this monster problem, I suppose all the better. But while you're there, I'm hoping you can dig up something more on the anomaly. Maybe bring back another toy for you, Doctor. She's just going to smile. Yeah. So before we leave the briefing room, Mara's going to stop and grab from the box of scraps that was the beacon. Okay, um, yeah. Just the the Aventine, the circuitry that was identified. Okay. Yeah. And just take that with you? Yeah, or? I was imagining like like a semiconductor, but like a large, like a maxi semiconductor of the future, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I like that. So I think you reach into the box and grab maybe like the main, whatever the main board is from this thing mm-hmm. and, and pocket it. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the briefing kind of concludes, but I want to ask, is there anything else that you wanted to do on Ascension Station or anything else you want to take care of before we cut away to the ship? Yeah, I'd like to talk to, um, to Sasha Green separately. Okay. So I, th- I think maybe she's still standing kind of by the side of the room near the wall of screens, so you can kind of approach her. Deputy Director Green, a word? She nods and says, Lieutenant. I... I'm wondering if you can take care of some business for the mission while we're off station. I think she just raises an eyebrow. She doesn't say anything, but raises an eyebrow when you say that. I'm looking into the circumstances around Administrator Saeed's dismissal from Consus and could really use some help digging in a little more. (laughs) I think she, like, when you say could use some help, she gives you a kind of quizzical or bemused look, just given the kind of (laughs) prior interactions, but I think she says, go on. The Minerva Project initially established contact with former Administrator Saeed to begin with, and I could use 
your assistance in investigating more about the circumstances that led to uh, her dismissal and the situation we found ourselves in on planet. She kind of lets out a light scoff and says, I'm surprised that you're coming to me for help of all people, Lieutenant. I've recently been encouraged to build more bridges and I'm trying something new. (laughs) I think she just kind of smiles at that and again, kind of lets out a little laugh, but says, I'll see what I can dig up. Thank you. I'm assuming Leela didn't witness that scene, but Haley is this (laughs) pumping. Awesome. So at this point, I think we cut to the Valiant and you're on your way to Feronia and that trip is going to be about four days long. And so I figure we can do some vignettes with each of you during that journey. But before we do that, did the four of you want to do a a group scene or anything together on the ship? Uh, Yeah, I think we are probably all in the wardroom, just sort of following Mm -hmm. the briefing as, as, as we've done for the last mission we did for the last mission okay and i just look at arno and i'm uh have you ever been to feronia in a declassified manner (laughs) (laughs) um i think then the answer is no but i wonder if arno would know what sorts of missions were conducted on feronia during Mm -hmm. the war i guess what on feronia is of strategic importance Hmm. yeah i guess go ahead and, and you can roll for that so yeah, go ahead and roll share expertise. That's experience. Hello. Okay. So that's a fail. How, how does this turn into something bad for us? No, I don't think it does. Definitionally it does. There's a hard move. That's what that's what happens when you fail. Last time um Nasir burned himself with coffee. So this time I think Nasir should burn himself with coffee. <laughs> So let me ask this, Mike. So you said that you hadn't been to Feronia, right? Right. But you said that you might have been familiar with missions that were on Feronia? Yeah. So I'll kind of answer part of your question at a base level, just because I think this is so obvious that everybody would know this, which is that it's like, okay, what's the main resource for a lot of places in the Verge? And that's the Lustra, right? So that's kind of, you know, for most planets in the Verge, if they're kind of supporting a expanding colony part of the reason why that's viable is because they can they have this material that can support interstellar travel to and from these planets and and sort of throughout the verge so that's kind of the big like one of the big motivations for people developing these places but yes my question for you is what went wrong on this mission that has arno worried about feronia oh fuck ah we could never establish supply lines to Feronia. They were very much left on their own out there. And so a lot of the resources during the mission were just left on Feronia and inaccessible to the Republic. Whatever we were able to get out of Feronia just pretty much stayed there. Hmm. Okay. But I want to I kind of make it more acute. Hmm. So I like that idea, but I wanna, I'm going to push on that a little bit and say... It's far from it's far from Earth and Ascension Station hadn't been built yet. And it mm-hmm. requires getting there requires going through Aventine lines. And mm-hmm. so maybe you're right that it was, oh, it turned out to kind of be a fool's errand because it was difficult to get anything out of there. But maybe it was difficult to get things in there, too. And 
maybe what happened is there was some kind of ambush and help couldn't get there because of where it was. And so I think that maybe, and I'm kind of what I'm trying to get at here is like, what is Arno concerned about that's going to give him disadvantage on his next role here, right? And I think what that thing is, is that this place is inaccessible and difficult to get help if you actually need it. Okay. And maybe you can, rel- I'll leave it to you if you relay that to the groups. I know that, that did kind of give you expertise, but I think it's only a, a bad news expertise. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've never been to Feronia myself. And part of the reason for that is you had to go through a lot of Aventine's space to get to and from the planet. Convoys that got sent there and ran into trouble were stuck there. The same could be true for us on this mission. Well, sounds like we're on our own. So um, if I could jump in and I guess what Mara is doing in the background while they have this conversation is I think she was kind of intrigued by this whole concept of it being an alien monster, which I think she kind of dismisses out of hand as poppycock. Um, But she is interested in what kind of threat is out there. So I think she, what she wants to do is look closely at there. There was a description of like a stab wounds or puncture wounds. So yeah. I think she wants to examine that. And what I would really like to do is do kind of like a comparison between like known. I guess it's well, it's alien to her, but that's their home. So uh, known animals or, uh, you know, wildlife that could potentially be causing these puncture wounds with like claws or or fangs or something. Yeah. I think hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of worried about like oh I don't know if this is another rule or if I can just kind of tell you the base level. So, so I, I think I actually yeah. want to um like hit upon my signature move expert here, right? Okay. So I think this would be ask the SM a question about the situation that relates to your expertise and they will answer and ask you a question which you must answer. Yeah. So I, I think to trigger that, though, you have to do a move, which is kind of like rolling dice. Right. So if you want to go ahead and roll share expertise, then then we can see what the outcome of that is. And then you can apply that. All right. Plus two. Let's go. Ten. Hey, Boy, success. that's a success. Success. I don't, I don't know what to do now. What do I do in my hands? I don't I this happens so rarely. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Does this mean we win? I think yes. I did a win. Yes, you won the game. <laughs> I think I did a success, and um, everything is good now. So, share expertise. When you consult your accumulated knowledge on something that you're an expert in, you roll plus calculating. On a 10+, plus, you can ask a question related to the topic, and I'll either give you a useful answer or ask you to make up the answer. So, you want to ask that, and then if you want to ask a second question, you could do that, or you could do one of the other options for for expert. So, I'm asking, based on my understanding and access to information about the um, wildlife on this planet, what could potentially be just shredding these people? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I I think what you get from that is you're kind of looking at these these stab wounds. And I I think that you're kind of like, oh, I'm flipping through some of the information about the wildlife on Mm -hmm. Baronia, right? And 
I think it's like, oh, does this look like, you know, claw wound or some kind of yeah, other exactly. thing that would that you'd expect to see from a known creature on Feronia? And I think that that kind of comes up short. Mm-hmm. But I think that you get like in one of the pictures, you can kind of get a pretty clear, a clear view from this uh, or of this of this wound and what it looks like. I think then you kind of branch out a little bit and compare it to things on other planets or other life forms you're familiar with. And I think it looks like a kind of like stinger wound, right? It's like the puncture wound is almost kind of cylindrical yeah. and and it's also like pretty large. So I think that that's the the kind of information you get and is, I guess, something to look out for um, in the future. And so I think you can share that expertise with people. And then if if mm-hmm. that ever comes up, um, then, <laughs> then everyone then people can have yeah. advantage on the first roll that concerns that. Looking for a giant scorpion. Got it. So it seems. Could be a wasp. Acute observation. <laughs> Mission aside for a moment. I found the conversation we had with Director Shaw concerning. Director Shaw seemed hesitant to believe it was Aventine, despite mounting evidence of Aventine interference. Does anyone have any explanation for why that might be? I find the behavior uncharacteristic of a Republic official. Shaw... Is living out here in the Verge. He, more than anyone on Earth, understands how precarious his position is. I don't blame him for not wanting to go public with information that we don't even really understand. I, I actually am, am not discussing going public. I think that it would be an absolute catastrophe if we took the information publicly. I'm more asking why he seems to believe that the beacon wasn't developed by Aventine when Dr. Belova seems 83%, was it? 83. 83% sure that it's an Aventine beacon. That struck me as suspicious. I can understand his hesitation to ascribe ownership to this beacon. I'm interested in his ignorance of the facility in which it was manufactured or purportedly manufactured. Why? I just, I believe, I think she's going to look at Arno square on and she's, she is a little confused about this. I would assume that director Shaw would have basic information about where novel technologies are being developed by Aventine, but perhaps the fleet knows more about the Nemirov Design Bureau than the Minerva Project. I'm with Dr. Belova on this one. Aventine is certainly sophisticated, but there are a limited number of manufacturers in the galaxy that could make a beacon like this. I can't believe I'm the one coming to the director's defense here, but unless you knew to look for this kind of information, you probably wouldn't know it offhand, the same way that I'm sure Dr. Belova did not know about the Nemirov Design Bureau offhand before investigating the beacon that we found. It's probable that he had the resources to learn of it if he had reason to, but I don't think it's necessarily suspicious that he didn't know it offhand. Right, but we discovered an Aventine spy ring and found a beacon in a secret Aventine facility. 
that's directly tied to the disappearing lustra and the stealth ships we found. And he seems very, very hesitant to even internally operate under the assumption that it's Aventine. I say this as, as someone who myself is hesitant to believe that it's Aventine. His behavior is confusing. Unless you don't suspect it's Aventine, Lieutenant. I think of that, Arnold audibly scoffs. Mm. You might even call it a guffaw. Um, we're dealing with a bureaucrat whose entire job is keeping the peace between the two largest powers in the galaxy. I'll extend a bit of grace to him for perhaps going through a few stages of grief here and bargaining with himself or trying to rationalize that this may or may not be what he's actually seeing directly in front of him. I don't think that changes our position, but I can understand why he may not be equipped to deal with what's in front of his face right now. I think Mara's going to press forward a little bit and take a step toward Arno. But I will reiterate my point. Perhaps the fleet could be of use to us here. Do you think they would have access to more information on this facility than the Minerva Project? That's a possibility. A possibility you're willing to explore? That's a possibility. But just because they have the information doesn't mean it's not classified. I think when he says classified, I will roll my eyes and storm out. <laughs> I think Leela's going to walk over to, I assume there's, I don't remember if we've explicitly stated this, but I feel like there's a decanter of some <laughs> sort of liquor. Because uh, this is, this is an not office space. I think there can be. Yeah. It's an office oh, wait, 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 wait. room. Oh, shit. Is it inside the globe? We yeah. talked about the globe. Digital. It's it's the globe is a space digital screen globe. That could yeah, also but be like, a does it not open? Could it I mean, open? Maybe it does. So I assume we have a decanter of some kind of some sort of liquid. So Leela's gonna walk over um, and open it and pour herself a drink, and then is just kind of turn around and say, "Might as well turn it into a drinking game," and then takes a sip. <laughs> I I want to be clear. That when I said classified, I meant for me as well. I'm going to look at Dr. Belova square in the eyes and say, is this something you want me to ask the fleet? Where do your loyalties lie? Leela takes another drink. You said it yourself that this is difficult terrain. And she's going to kind of like stalk towards him as she continues. We're going to be on the opposite end of the galaxy in enemy, air quotes, territory. The fleet can't protect you. Where do your loyalties lie? What are you asking? Information, if you can get it. Once I ask this question, just asking is information in and of itself. I just want to know if you're certain that this is the information you'd like to extend. You must have been assigned to this mission, correct? From your superior officer? How much do you trust them? I trust her with my life. With the fate of the galaxy? Think about it.
Hey everyone, it's Mo. Thank you so much for listening to World's Way. This game has been a blast to play and it has been wonderful to get to share the story with you. If you're enjoying World's Away so far, you can help us out by spreading the word to friends and family. Uh, and if they are starting to get annoyed with the fact that you keep talking about us, that's okay. That means you're doing it right. Uh, you can also support us by giving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform where you listen to podcasts. Uh, and if you want to give us a shout out on social media, you can find us on most platforms at World's Away Pod or online at worldswaypod.com. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the episode. So I think that's where the scene ends. And at this point, I want to cut away to the kind of individual scenes or those vignettes with the four of you during the trip. And so maybe we'll start with Mara. And so, Lauren, what is Mara up to during the four day journey to Feronia? I think she's doing a lot of reading in preparation for the mission. Again, kind of with the the last role that I did, I think that she's kind of thinking and investigating and pondering if it does, in fact, turn out to be some sort of stinger based, you know, um, <laughs> adaptation. I think she's maybe scrolling through other planets in the Verge and other locations that, you know, have creatures that have developed these stingers on large scales. And then maybe like kind of the environmental niches in which they are generated. And I think as she's looking and thinking about this evolutionary progress and the the generation of specialized adaptations, her eyes kind of like cast over to a book that she has on her desk that famously writes of the adaptations of species to their environments on the origin of species. So I think she can't kind of help herself but get distracted and um, and picks it up and is holding it and just feeling like the weight of it and is thinking about when she received this book. Yeah. And this is, just to be clear, this is the same book that you had in your office oh, yes. back during the first episode. Okay. Yeah. The deep cut listeners will recall. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it sounds like we're going to do a flashback to that scene, which you yeah. and I have talked about in your character creation about when she got this this book. Yeah. But before I do that, where is the the book that you got from the library on Ascension? Is that also in your room or what's where, where is that hanging out? I think she set it underneath on the origin of species because it's physically larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is her personal items and luxury effects location. Yeah. Uh, so she only has room for things of a like, you know, one foot by one foot <laughs> uh, square footage or space. Yeah. Okay. And and I guess is this like by a desk in your room? I, I realize we never really asked what your room looks like on the Valiant. Yeah. I think the less you think about it, the better. Almost. Okay. It's incredibly <laughs> Spartan. I think okay. the furniture is exactly what it showed up with. She has a chest with her clothes in it. And maybe a second chest for uh, the business attire type clothes. But I think that she has zero personal effects. There's maybe a collection of slates sitting about of different like various uses, right? Like the e-pens and notebooks that she brought on the first day that have lines like scribbled in there. Again, electronically scribbled in their margins. But it is completely devoid of any personal touches. Okay. And so the scene I want to do is just after you got that book. Um, mm-hmm. And this is when 
Mara is packing her stuff to move to Ireland and begin working for Janisthenth. And so do you want to describe like where Mara is when this is happening or what that scene looks like? Yeah. So Mara is methodically but quickly packing her belongings. We see her in kind of a a smallish studio apartment. Um, the kitchen has been packed up in a box and labeled and taped multiple times. The The bathroom's all packed up. Uh, her living room, whatever existed of it, is packed into a box. And I think her last, the last thing she's deconstructing is her bedroom. So we see like a, a slate hanging on the wall or some sort of picture display electronic that has a photograph of her in her doctoral regalia smiling mm-hmm. alongside a like slightly older maybe like upper middle-aged man as she's being hooded okay you see that regalia kind of folded up on top of her desk and um her diploma doctor of computational biology but pressed into the diploma is her handprint in green signifying um the department in which she graduated from mm-hmm She's on one side of the room kind of packing up her nightstand. And the last thing to do is kind of grab her most personal effects, one of which is on the origin of species. So I think as you're kind of packing this this stuff up and maybe you take a minute to look at the book and it's like in your hand and it's kind of absorbing your attention. I think the front door was maybe like propped open like you had a doorstop in it because you were moving boxes in and out mm-hmm. and so you just hear a kind of light wrapping knock coming on the door frame and when you kind of turn to look at the door it's already open and standing in the door frame is your mother and so lauren do you want to describe what ineta looks like for us yeah i think mara's mother is a small, ferocious thing to behold. So she is, she's physically short. I think she's around like five foot. She has maybe slightly longer than shoulder length, kind of dusty brown hair. She has very sharp, small brown eyes and kind of very angular features. And she's, of course, older than Mara a little bit, probably like perhaps a little bit younger than Mara is now. Of course, this is a flashback, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, right now it is apparent that she is like barely restraining her frustrations. Yeah. Okay. And so as as she walks in, I think Mara turns around kind of thinking perhaps the doorstop fell out or somebody is coming to maybe like check her out of her apartment or something like that. And she sees it's her mom and for a hot second, it's just blind panic. Mm. And then she's like, Mate, it's. I thought you were in Hungary this weekend. So I I think she opens the door and kind of or finishes opening the door and walks into the apartment and kind of slowly closes it behind her. So it's back like up against the doorstop. Like maybe the lock is out, you know, like the deadbolt. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like resting on the deadbolt. But she yeah. just kind of like quietly closes it and, and like kind of assumes permission to enter. And I think as she's turning around, she's already talking and she says, 
I got a call from Professor Waters at Berkeley. They said that you withdrew your fellowship application. I was planning, of course, was planning on telling you myself. I thought Bernard was going to give me a little more time to inform you of some decisions that I have made recently regarding my future employment and opportunities therein. I think as you say that, she kind of moves more into the room and says, they also passed along a rumor about where you might be going instead. Please tell me that you're not joining this pipe dream in Dublin, Mara. I quibble with the assertion that being able to grow crops in The Verge is a pipe dream. I think that there is a substantial probability that we might be able to see this issue through to the end and solve the propagation problem. And I think that I think that algorithm 19 might be very useful in hundreds, maybe thousands of very smart people have worked on this for decades. They could have helped the 90% of us here, but instead they let their egos get the better of them and wanted to become celebrities instead of tackling the dozens of other problems sitting in front of us right now. You would agree that many foundational discoveries were made accidentally or that great attributions of existing technologies or novel technologies came out of pipe dreams or people perhaps looking to aggrandize themselves. I'm not going to ascribe emotional intent to these actions. I, I think there's a chance and I think we can do it. And why do you think this is different? Maybe, maybe I'm different. Mara, you and I both understand that to solve the big problems, do real science, that's not something that happens on your own. And this person, Nolan Callahan, what has he done so far for humanity, for Earth? Maybe this is it. I understand where you're coming from. I understand your sacrifice. And I believe in the vision that you have for our people, our people everywhere. Our people are here on Earth and our people are out in the verge. And we can use all the technologies at our disposals to help them. And that will help us. I believe that. Nolan believes that. It might be that this might be the time. I think when you say that she kind of walks into the kitchen and I think I think what she does is opens the cabinet to look for a glass, but they're already packed and it's kind of empty. And so she just then closes the cabinet and kind of walks back to you. And she says, people like this, Mara, they claim they have big ideas, the vision. It's just snake oil. You have so much promise, Mara, and putting that towards someone's a, a pet project when you could be doing so much on Earth 
it just sounds like something that it seems selfish. And I really think you're better than that. You know, I think she's going to kind of like, she's standing and isn't holding on to like the chair in front of her desk. Mm -hmm. I think she's going to grip it and say, you know who else you called selfish? You called, you called uncle selfish all the time. He got to live his life the way that he chose. And I want to live my life the way that I choose. And this is what I'm going to do with my science. I'm going to create. We're going to work together and we are going to solve this problem. So I think when you invoke your uncle, her face, it's not that it softens, but she kind of looks down for a moment. But then she looks back up and says, Mara, you know that I've never been very good at convincing you of anything if your mind's made up and she kind of like looks around the apartment sees it already kind of stripped of all its belongings and says and it seems like that might be the case Ernest had a lot of potential as well mara he was the older sibling a great student a great researcher i always looked up to him as a child whatever he was doing on his farm living his life the way he wanted to. I'm sure he was content, maybe even happy. I'm sure he was, at least whenever you visited. But he refused to see things as they really are, to look at the big picture. And whatever you do, Mara, I don't want to see you repeat that mistake. I've said everything that I needed to say about the decisions that I'm making with my life. This is how it's going to be. She kind of like takes a beat, but then nods and looks down. And I think there's a few seconds of silence, but then she kind of looks up and straightens her, her clothes and says, well, I will leave you to pack then and kind of starts heading toward the door. Wait, her arm is kind of reaching for the, the doorknob and then she pulls it back and turns around. The central government's biosphere data could be incredibly useful for us. Would you be willing to provide it to Genesynth? And she looks she looks incredibly like contrite, mm-hmm. but steely. I think we see like if the last shot was showing her hand kind of reaching for the doorknob and pulling back when you said, wait, I think we see her hand kind of tighten into a clenched fist, but then she kind of releases it and turns around and looks at you and says, this is really what you want. It's what we need. What Genesynth needs. She nods and I think she looks up and kind of, stares at you dead in the eye for a few seconds and then reaches into her bag and takes out her slate and makes a couple taps on it and says this data along with all of my work is for the good of everyone and I suppose that includes is that really what they're calling it? (laughs) And maybe that's the scene? Yeah, no, that's it. All right. So I want to cut to 
Leela. What is Leela doing, Haley? So I think Leela is going to be spending at least some time at the gym. And her memories have resurfaced her uh, practice of Arnie's. So she's going to be, instead of just doing her standard workout, putting a little bit more time specifically into practicing with her bastons. Okay. And I don't know if we've described Arnie's for everyone at home yet. You want to describe what that is really briefly? Yeah, absolutely. Arnis is a martial art that originates in the Philippines. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. So we've seen Leela have the two sticks that she uses. Uh, they're called bastons, and Arnis uh, is usually performed with one or two bastons, though it can be done without. Um, and it's just a specific kind of martial art. Okay, this is like in the kind of broad category of stick fighting, I suppose. Correct. And so this is in the in the gym that you're practicing. We kind of, I think, described a few episodes back that the the gym or the kind of workout space is on the the is in the vehicle bay, so kind of on that bottom deck of the ship. And yeah. I think Mo, you were describing it a little bit last time. And because of that, I think there's at least a weight bench and a punching bag there. But I guess, like, what else are we thinking this looks like? Yeah, so I think for Arnis, it's really, you know, kind of an open area, which I know we have in the vehicle bay. You definitely, Uh you know, you can have mats and stuff, and I'm sure she's going to do core strengthening and all sorts of other exercises, but specifically for practicing Arnis, I mean, maybe a, a mirror on the wall would be nice. Okay, I like that. But but yeah, I think it's um, more just going through her drills. Yeah. So maybe there's some some mirrors that were kind of put up along the wall to kind of facilitate this like conversion of part of the space into a, a workout area. And I guess what exactly are you doing as you're you're working out or you're practicing? Like kind of just broad stroke visuals. Like what do we see in this montage? What you would see is essentially it kind of looks like she's shadow boxing like she's just doing drills with the sticks and doing kind of i mean not literally looking like shadow boxing but in the sense of she's uh using the stick to do different attacks and different uh maneuvers so mm-hmm. um there's some really really cool stuff that the talented arnice martial artists do using the sticks to push attacks to kind of um spin them sometimes so so she's got some specific drills that that she would be um, practicing. Okay, so maybe just like in front of the mirror, kind of running through these these drills. Or... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I think after a few minutes of this, and you're kind of like looking in the mirror, kind of self critiquing as you're going through this these routines. Yep. But after a few minutes, you notice some movement kind of reflected in the mirror, and when you look back, you see. Allison Alba, who's the captain of the Valiant, kind of walking onto the scene. So her hair, which is kind of a, a dark blonde color, is tied back in a in a ponytail now. And she's wearing dark gray leggings and a light blue tank top and is holding a towel and a metal water bottle in her left hand. And so how does uh, Leela react to seeing Captain Alba enter the scene here? I think Leela is going to finish the drill that she's currently doing. So 
she's going to, you know, not going to interrupt her flow and maybe just be looking out of the corner of her eye to see where Captain Alba is going to settle into. Is she going to go to the weight bench or, or something else? Yeah. So I think you kind of lock eyes in the mirror. So she like sees that you see her and she kind of heads to the weight bench and puts down the towel and says, I hope you don't mind if I join you here with these shifts. It can be tough to find time for a workout. And kind of while she's saying that, she starts going and uh, going to wherever the weights are racked. I think Leela's going to reply, of course, Captain Alba, after all, this is your ship but i think she's gonna take this opportunity to kind of pause for a moment drink some water and kind of you know lean against the the wall and just catch her breath and and settle down for a minute yeah so i I think captain alba goes and is taking weight plates and putting them onto a bar that's um sort of on a rack above the bench so as if she was gonna bench press and as she's doing that she kind of pauses for a second as if hesitating but then looks to you and says those sticks those are for our niece right uh, i think leo's face lights up a little bit to see that someone <laughs> recognizes our niece mm-hmm. um and i think she says uh, y- yeah yes it you've you've heard of it she kind of nods and, and continues putting the the plates on the bar and says, well, it seems like you're pretty good at it. If you don't mind my asking, how'd you get into it? I think at that, Leela kind of looks off into the distance for a second and just says, oh, yeah, I, a friend taught it to me. I, I'm, I'm not very good, though. It's just a, a good way to keep the mind focused. Yeah, she, she kind of lets out a suppressed kind of laugh under her breath, but then sort of begins lifting and as she's sort of lifting this bar probably it's like a warm-up set she says a a friend of mine reina she tried to teach me once it didn't go very far i think i was embarrassing her and kind of continues to sort of press the bar i think leela says oh would you want to practice with me sometime only if you actually enjoyed it she, I think, finishes lifting the weight and puts it back on the rack and kind of exhales and says, it was fun to learn, but I think, I think I'd prefer not to. Lila laughs and says, sometimes I'd prefer I didn't know our niece either. Yeah, she, she kind of smiles a little bit, but you can tell it's like suppressed or muted when she does that. Uh, so I think we was just going to change the subject and say, so, um, the Valiant, how long have you been on it? She kind of laughs because of like how awkward that the question was, but then kind of powers through. And she says, the Valiant was actually my first and only command. I first was assigned to the ship uh, a year into the war. Shaw has been keeping us busy working on the ship, but we still get out some, follow the news. Do you really think those were Aventine spies down on Satis? I think Leela is getting up and going over to 
pull out a mat. I assume we have some, you know, like workout mats. Uh, yeah. So I think she's going to grab one and just kind of lay it out. And while she's doing that kind of sigh and just say, you know, it looked like an Aventine spiring, but honestly, I, I don't know. She kind of nods at that, but then lays back down on the bench to begin another set and starts lifting the weight. But she says, after the war, a lot of folks, especially in the fleet, they thought the armistice was a mistake and that Aventine would never play by the rules. And, well, if this was a ring of Aventine spies sabotaging a Republic ally, it's hard to say that they're wrong. A lot's been said about the terms of the treaty, the way the war went down, and I know it's hard, but I wish we could put some of it behind us. So I think when you say that, the bar was kind of on its way down, and it kind of stops suddenly, and after like a pause, she lifts it back up and puts it back on the rack and sits up and says... I understand you never served during the war. I would never discount the effort, the sacrifice that went into making a peace. But to put things behind us, for some, I think that's a bridge too far. And I think then she kind of like starts toweling off and walks away. What is Nasir doing during the trip? So I think it's a four day trip. And for the first few days, Nasir is just sort of avoiding the rest of the team of the Minerva project uh, and trying to like just detox after Satis and after the conversation with Shaw. Uh, and so I am probably spending most of the trip down on the engineering deck. I know we've sort of described the engineering room before as two levels uh right like there's like the engine room where like the actual magic d20 is made of lustra oh yeah <laughs> but or like the reactor that looks like a d20 that uses lustra but so i think like you know looking at that the glow coming out of the window like that blue green glow probably lights up the outer engineering space uh and so i am spending as much time as i can just like I, I probably like walked up to Charlie Zamora and I said, what needs fixing? Put me to work. Like, yeah. I just want to be busy and I want to be useful and I want to take orders and I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's where I've been. Okay. I like that. I think for this scene, we probably catch me and I'm like leaning up, like wiping grease off my hands with a towel. Yeah. And I'm in like workman clothes thank you so much for the distraction. And I'm just like talking to Charlie. If you need anything else, please do not hesitate to knock on my door. I appreciate some time away from the mission. They nod. And I think just say, frankly, it's been nice to have someone both as skilled as you and as willing to listen. So I do appreciate it. I promise you the pleasure was all mine. And I will sort of head back up the stairs and then the ramp from engineering deck through the crew deck to the command deck. Okay. And I'll go to my room and shower off and 
I think when I walk back out and get dressed, I look at the shelf that had like all my doodads and personal effects. Uh-huh. And there's like a small wooden box and I grab it and I head over to another room on the command deck for one of my colleagues. And I just, Lieutenant Hines, are you there? Okay. So before Arno, you respond to the door, I want to kind of say we cut to the inside of your room and I want to know what was Arno kind of up to before Nisir gets there? Arno is reading, uh, just going over his mission dossier. And by, by that, I mean his mission from FSOC yeah. uh, dossier. He's got a slate pulled up. He's sitting in a chair behind a desk in his room. It's a you know, small desk. Might be, might, might even be built into like the, the wall the way that you would in like in a dorm or something to that effect, right? And he's just been reading there. So I think as, as you're reading that, maybe this is a chance for me to give you a little bit more on that front, because I think one arc ago, Mendoza had said she was going to send over some additional information, and that was information on Captain Alba and the Valiant. So I think describing what you see on the slate, there's what looks like a personnel file. Uh, and in the top left corner, there's a picture of who we recognize as Captain Alba. But as you kind of flick left to change pages or tabs on the screen, we see a document that's labeled Internal Review Division Case Referral. And as you scroll through this document, just to describe this a bit, you learn that during the fleet's blockade of Lucina, which is one of the planets in the Verge, a ship taking off from the planet tried to run the blockade. And... Alba, who was in command of a patrol ship called the RSV Valiant, was ordered to shoot them down. But according to the file, Alba failed to act after receiving the order. And this oncoming ship fired several missiles at a Republic cruiser before jumping away, killing 14 crew members as a result. Okay. And I think at this point you hear the knock on the door. Arno pushes the sleep button on the on the slate and puts it back into there there's a shelf in the room with a couple of slates. They all look pretty much identical, and there's a slight gap where this slate was. And he replaces mm-hmm. the slate, stands up methodically, pushes the chair in, sort of inspects the area to see if he's left any like mess behind or if it looks cluttered or anything like that. And satisfied that it looks like nobody has actually lived in this room ever. Uh, Arno walks (laughs) to the door and answers. Um, Lieutenant Hines, I, uh, wanted to apologize for my behavior on Cetus. I became emotional and I lost my cool. I shouldn't have struck you. And I wanted to say I'm sorry. Receiving apologies, Arno's kryptonite. Yeah, I think Arno's taken aback by that. Um, not visibly, but... Um, okay, thank you. And I just look at him, kind of just waiting for anything else. Like, is, is that all? So I sort of stand with my hands behind my back a lot. Uh, so it's, like, not abnormal. But I sort of pull, like, reach back up in front of myself mm-hmm. uh, and, and pull the, the small wooden box in front of me. 
And at this point, you can see that the box is set with black and white checkered squares on each side. And I just say, could I interest you in a game of chess? And I, I want to note, like, it is weird that I have a physical chessboard, right? Like, it, this that I'm showing you this would strike you as strange. And what would it normally? Sorry, I don't don't want to cut off. But like, would it normally be like on a slate or like a hologram, or what would the what would a chess set look like in the year twenty two seventy five? In the so I think in the Republic in twenty two seventy five, you would probably just go on any like slate surface mm-hmm. and just it would pull up a chessboard, right? Yeah, yeah. And like you could do it as sort of like a, a on a screen. I think also like a nice chess set in the Republic would be a slate that was explicitly for the purpose of chess yeah so it would be able to like render it in three dimensions it would be able to like uh you know like move the pieces upon like verbal command and just sort of like blink out and blink back it would be a digital device designed explicitly for that that would be very extravagant yeah okay but like the average person i think just sort of like looks at a virtual representation of a chessboard. i'm I'm familiar with the rules, but I'm I'm afraid I'm I'm not very good, Mr. Baydock. Honestly, neither am I. <laughs> it's just a an interesting time. We could just have some a friendly game in the uh the wardroom. Mm, doubt. Arno's immediate instinct is to think of ways to politely decline and go back <laughs> to his business. And he remembers his conversation with Leela and thinks Asir has come all of this way. Maybe he has more to say. I should go play chess with him. (laughs) And I will look at Nasir and say, sure, let's. (laughs) I will visibly melt at that, like relax. Like, I don't think I expected to actually get a yes. I just wanted to extend the olive branch. Uh, And now a smile will crap on my face like a real one. Wonderful. And I will just head towards the wardroom. Yeah. So I think we cut to the chess set is set up. And maybe Nasir, because you're the one that set up the board. And these have like wooden pieces. What 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 are the you want to describe what the chessboard looks like really quick? So this chessboard is it's a box that you unfold and it's a chessboard, like something a little familiar to to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It's wooden and it's got wooden pieces. So the pieces are this, they are representative of the same pieces that they would be on a chessboard today. Chess like has remained unchanged or largely unchanged in the, in the next 200 years. Yeah. But I think if you like look at the design of these pieces, the pawns are just very much like a, like a little pawn, uh, nothing sort of adorning them. I think the rooks are probably space stations. Like they're designed to look like space stations. And they have like sort of detail. I think the wood is sort of like it's a painted set and the paint is sort of chipping in some places or like there's like a like mm-hmm. a clear extension of one of the space stations that's like broken off. I think the knights as they're there are probably like ships uh, that are probably like fighter ships, essentially like space fighter ships. Your bishops, uh, if I had to guess, are just like, you know, like maybe a comet or something. Uh, but the king and queen are specifically painted and designed with the king painted in like blue and green with like a single sun emblazoned on the shield the king is holding. And then the queen is in red and purple and yellow 
and is holding a scepter with two sons. Oh, okay. Probably means nothing, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Just so um, not known for our, our uh, <laughs> kind of visual references on the show. We don't so, know anything. So I think that you, we kind of cut to you finishing setting up the board and you lift up two of the pawns and put them in your hands and kind of close your fists. And so I want to know, like, as maybe Arno like picks the piece to decide who goes first in this game, right? Like, who do we think goes first? I think Arno would be deferential here. I, I think Arno picks black, uh, okay. and I uh, Nasir picks white. Okay, so Arno just so maybe it's like you were offering to like pick randomly, but Arno just sits down on the side of black. Uh, I <laughs> okay, no, yeah. I don't think Nasir takes any offense to that, right? Like, uh, I think I'll just put the piece... Like, I do the same thing. Me and Mo, I do the same thing all the time when I play. I'm also notoriously bad at chess. So I'll, like, sit down to sort of play, and I'll just open with, like, a very classic, like, pawn forward. Lieutenant, I... My baggage is sort of well-known. Everyone understood what I was going to be facing when we came to the verge. And I think I just start, like, moving pieces... And like, I think we were like playing the game as we talk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is unfair of me that in getting caught up in my own tragedy, that I didn't account for the fact that you might have feelings about returning to the verge. Check. Arno surveys the board, and it looks a lot like Nasir has set himself up a couple of ways. One, he's got control of the center of the board, which, fuck, how did I let that happen? And two, while this check isn't fatal, it seems like Nasir is setting himself up for future opportunities to close more and more of the board off for me. I think Arno is surprised, and I think Arno uh, realizes he needs to play, uh, figure out how to play a bit more aggressively. He doesn't have a good feel for chess and like the moves and things of that, but he has a rough understanding of strategy and sort of what's happening here. What would you like to know, Mr. Baydock? I'm feeling a bit more open today. I think when Arno says that, Nasir will look up sympathetically. Who did you lose during the war? And I'll just move another piece forward. Arno picks up a knight and places it in a defensive position. Brothers and sisters in arms. Folks who are hoping to to go home one day. It was rude of me, Lieutenant Arno, to treat you as though you didn't understand the cost of war. Arno uh, picks up the knight again and places it in a much more aggressive position, perhaps breaking a few lines in the center of the board. I thought it was one of the most sincere things I've ever seen you do. Check. At that moment, a, like a smile creeps onto my face, like very slight, and it sort of fades just as quickly. Things have a tendency not to go well when I'm sincere, Lieutenant. And I'll move my king out of the way, but I will not take the knight. Why's that? I don't make the right choices. And then my spine will straighten after just like a whisper. There are far more intelligent people than I am, Lieutenant, who 
know what's best. And I'll, on that one, I will move a pawn forward. And Arno can probably clock, especially because this is a very intimate game, that like this is outside Nasir, who said the last line. Yeah. Arno sees the pawn, gestures over to the knight, thinks twice about it, and decides to take it instead with another pawn. What makes you think they know what's best? If they're wrong, it's not my fault. If they're wrong, and they used you to support their cause, it is your fault. Check. Are you so confident in the people who give you your orders, Lieutenant? I'm confident that they play to win. At that, the smile on my face is almost sarcastic. I can assure you, the only people I listen to play to win. And it's it's bitter. Yeah. Check. Arno takes a look at the board, and he's really getting pushed back. That early setup that Nasir had that I was trying to break, he's sort of recovered from at this point. And I think I'm just trying to think of a way to be a little disruptive here, a little less predictable. I take a rook, and I move it up the board. Is that what you would call our current situation? I don't think my people are the reason we're in our current situation. And I will take the rook. I think you might have something wrong about me, Mr. Badock. Oh? I'm not here to debate who's at fault for starting this skirmish. I don't think it was ever ended. And things that aren't ended properly have a tendency of starting up again in cycles. I think as he says that, my temperature starts to rise. And I start playing more aggressively, trading piece for piece Mm -hmm. at like a much faster rate, almost a reckless rate. Not everything has to be fought with ships and guns, Arno. I'm not talking about ships and guns. I'm talking about lines and where we stand. If Aventine wants to leave, then Aventine can leave. If the Verge wants to leave, then the Verge can leave. But putting a bandaid on this and saying that some significant minority or majority of disgruntled people have to stay here or have to go are the wrong terms. It's just going to repeat itself over and over again. We're not deciding anything. We're just kicking the can down the road and letting someone else figure it out. We're trying to prevent war. We're trying to make peace. Do you really believe we can't do that without slaughtering everyone? I don't think we need to slaughter anybody. But if we're not honest about our intentions and about circumstances that impact everybody in the galaxy, then we're just giving people more to fight about. I think I'm down to like one of my last pieces. I think the board is a bloodbath and I move it forward sort of recklessly again and say, check. Have you ever lost a child, Lieutenant? I think that question genuinely shakes Arno, not because it's tough or because he's lost anybody, but because he thinks Nasir's being honest again, and he wants to respond in kind. I hope I never have to know that pain.
and that anyone who I work with who uses my pain for their credibility would understand the personal stakes for everyone involved. But we're never going to move past this until we conclude the current struggle. And with that, I make a move and force a stalemate. I think I look down at the board and the first thought in my head is there are still pieces, but no one can win. Until next time, Lieutenant. And I will pick up my board and my pieces and leave.